A day late, but better late than never. Patrick and I are breaking down the thunder. How we think they can fare in the playoffs. Matchup by matchup. Is this team for real or are they too young? Best take, worst take. Let's get into foul trouble. technical issues yesterday so we're doing a little virtual pod today you know patrick you've got a nice aesthetic background you've got flowers and plants i'm going a little projecting the technology i've got my big medieval sword behind me um yeah man i mean hey i just i saw this sign it said subscribe and it felt like the perfect thing to sit in front of and to just block with your head Exactly. <laughs> just gonna... And it's backwards and, and everything. Every once in a every like 15 seconds, I'll just go like that. Um, how we doing? How we doing? A great weekend of NBA basketball, a great week for the Thunder, who we're gonna talk about primarily. Um, I I where do you want to start? I mean, this has just been a completely surprise, like surprisingly dominant season from the Thunder all together um and now we found ourselves with them as one of the favorites to come out of the west to win the championship i mean uh, did you see this coming i mean before the season i was really really high on the thunder i thought they had a chance to be a really high seed just because i felt like last year they were really really competitive even though it felt like they were like kind of trying to tank it was almost like shea was too good to let them be bad so i was really high on the thunder coming into the season now i've been a denver truth for all year i kind of felt like denver was going to get the one seed i maybe i need i should not believe that anymore but they're still right around there so i mean i think i i was pretty like confident the thunder could get a top seed but i, I mean i guess this is the whole discussion though is how is this going to translate to the postseason Yeah, I mean, the one thing that, I mean, if we're just talking big picture things before we get into like the series by series breakdown, big picture, I I mean, one thing that makes me feel really good about the Thunder's construction is I think in the past when we've seen really young teams succeed in a regular season, from a regular season standpoint, it's been on the backs of really really intense superstar production and although the thunder do have really really impressive superstar production from shay i mean he's averaging over 30 points a game the thunder are a super deep team and i mean there's all the guys that we've talked about of shay you've got j-dub you've got chet but then you look to their bench like Aaron Wiggins is a dude. They now have Gordon Hayward, who's awesome. Um, I think Kenrich Williams, they get good minutes out of every once in a while. Um, there's just there's so many guys on on this roster that um, I, I am starting to get a little bit more optimistic. I was not nearly as high on the Thunder as you were coming into the season. I, I saw the vision for a playoff team, but I did not see a, the vision for maybe the number one record in the West. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I don't know. How, how does how do you feel? I I'm a little worried about them in the playoffs. I kinda so you know in the first round they're gonna draw either the Mavericks, the Lakers, the Suns, the Pels, the Warriors, or the Kings. So I don't know if you want to quickly go through some of those like Warriors, I feel pretty confident they're gonna beat the Warriors in that kind of a series. I think Shea is going to be like kind of an unsolvable problem for the Warriors. I think if you put Wiggins on Shea, J-Dub could cause some havoc. If you're not, you know what I mean? I feel like um, I've noticed a lot of teams in my film study are guarding Shea with their threes, which is giving cascading problems because it lets J-Dub go at somebody else. I think, I mean, how do you feel about, like if you want to quickly get some of these, maybe first one, I, I think the Kings, they're going to pretty, Pretty pretty solid. Against yeah, the I think the Warriors matchup is a is a really good one to hit right off the top. Um, I just using basketball references like predictive data. There's a they they've they're giving the Thunder a forty two point nine percent chance to get the one seed right now in the West, and that's the highest of any of the Thunder's like predictable percentages on on at least basketball reference and they give the warriors a 22.9 percent chance which is the highest of any of the warriors chances to be their matchup in that first round 
And if you just like just looking at like what the Warriors and the Thunder have done against each other this year, it's been like just all insane games. They've they've won three out of the four matches, the Thunder um being the one that won the three of the four matches, but they've been almost all insane games. I don't know if you remember really, really early in this season, um, the Warriors won that um, insane game at the end of the um, game where um, Draymond hit like the kind of the touch shot at the buzzer, but it probably shouldn't have counted. So that was like a buzzer beater. And then after that, Thunder won a game where it was right after Draymond's first suspension. Steph was hurt. They were, it, it was really weird. And then the last two games have both been overtime games that the Thunder were able, able to per, pull out. Of this like bottom group of teams like the Warriors, the Kings, the, the Suns, the Lakers, I honestly, I wouldn't love the um the warriors as a matchup for for the thunder just being one i i think playoff success like we we haven't touched on it just yet but playoff success is a, a real real thing and and having experience in the playoffs and there is i there's basically no team all time that has more playoff success than the warriors but the the one reason why i really don't love the warriors as a matchup i still would pick the thunder but the Warriors, the way they're structured, they neither team really has to change the way they play. See, I, I think um, the Warriors really play into the Thunder's strength. From having watched them play against all these top contenders, like the Thunder's real weakness is rim attempts that are coming from post-ups, that are coming from drop-downs, that are coming from not drives. Because once the other team's rim attempts are coming from drives, Chet can play really high-level rim defense. And almost all the Warriors' paint points are coming off of drives. So you're not attacking Chet. You're not attacking this Thunder team at their weak point. And I don't think... I just think for the Warriors, it's going to look not like the Lakers series last year, but in a way, this kind of like... Chet's just kind of paroling the paint, and it's hard for them to get anything going because everything is coming in a way where Chet's going to have time to take his two steps toward the offensive player. I don't know. I think this matchup really skews in favor of the Thunder. I, think I mean, Shea it absolutely does because problem. the Thunder's the better yeah. team. I, I just, it, from like a Warriors standpoint, I like the idea of Draymond guarding Chet, him drawing him out um, further away from the basket so Draymond can play that kind of high IQ, kind of free safety role that I think Draymond kind of plays better than, than anyone else. Um, and hypothetically the warriors really have guys to throw at um the thunder like i think andrew wiggins on shea is an okay matchup you're not gonna like you're not gonna be in love with anything when it comes to guarding a guy like that like i said i i think that's where it gets tricky though the thunder the, the warriors is because if you if you're putting wiggins on shea who's guarding j-dub I yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I mean, well, you got Kaminga. You got Kaminga there kind of swinging around too, um, which I think both of those guys, like, they're going to jump out the gym. They're really leading with athleticism. I, I, I don't hate that matchup if I'm a fun or a Warriors fan. Yeah, I mean, fan. if you're a Warriors fan, the one thing you have that a lot of these other Western teams do is that your point guard can go toe-to-toe and outscore and outplay Shea in any of these games, right? Like, as good as Shea is, like, you're right. Like, you know, entering a playoff series, I might – Probably still rather have Curry just because I know what it looks like. I don't know what Shea's going to look like, you know, in some of these series. So I definitely lean Thunder pretty favorably in that matchup. Yeah, I mean, hey, we're talking about a 1-8 matchup. Potential 1-8 or potential 2-7, you know. Yeah, potential 2-7. Um, How do you feel about okay, so let's keep them going. versus the Kings? I feel like that, that one... I think they're the better team. I think they win that series, but I actually think that's a series Sabonis could give them some problems. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely in the their matchups thus far this season, the Thunder are one and two against the Kings, and Sabonis has eight in pretty much every single game. I think he's like one rebound away from having triple doubles in every single game, and and that's like, I mean. <laughs> 
Sabonis is just such a strong guy and Chet is such a string bean. I, I think Chet plays actually better than he gets credit for against like hyper aggression, hyper strength, but still with with just an amazing re- rebounder like Sabonis, you start losing the math problem a little bit See, that's, there. That's kind of like what I like in their Warriors matchup, but I really don't like in this Kings matchup is like the Kings paint points are coming from going at Chet. Like one, we'll talk about Minnesota later, but like one problem that you see in the Minnesota games is Minnesota can literally post Gobert up and like pretty much confidently get a bucket because Chet can't hold his own against these guys. Um, but that's what I'm, but when he gets to attack guys off drives, like he's a real defensive imposing force because he has such great, you know, hand eye with the blocking. I guess the one thing I really like for the Thunder against the Kings though is this, the Shea issue is the same cascading issue for the Kings where it's like Fox can play up to Shea's level in any given game, but the difference is Shea's got a couple inches of height, a couple inches of length, and he's just got that slithery mid range game and like, Hey man, if there was a team where they're like, you know, Sabonis is giving us problems, let's involve him in a lot of actions on, you know, on defense. So he's maybe a little less effective on offense, like over the course of a series, I think that could play into the Thunder's favor. Yeah. Also the one-on-one matchups there for the, the Thunder's perimeter stars are kind of nightmare fuel for Kings fans. Like, who do you have guarding Shea? Like, are, are you going to ask De'Aaron Fox to do that all series long when you're already going to ask him to match Shea point for point, which is going to be just like really, really a, a big ask for for even a great player like De'Aaron Fox. And then they really don't have a great person to put on J-Dub as well. Like, I think he he's a little bit more mobile than someone that I would feel great about having Keegan Murray guard. And then you get into like Harrison Barnes. I think it's, it's kind of past that point in his career as well. So, um, I mean, I, I would, I would have OKC, um, OKC favored in that series. And, and I think I would rather play the Kings than, uh, than, than the Warriors. But um, that's that's mainly because of experience as well. Yeah, and then the next the next team they might draw in the first round is the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah. So the Pelicans, kind of like a mixed bag this year. They they've only played played twice, and uh, one was like really really early in the year where the Pelicans won, and it was kind of like. Before the Thunder found themselves, Valachunas kind of ate. I feel like that's like the matchup that we always want to watch. And then in the second matchup, uh, and Zion was kind of okay. And then the second matchup, Zion didn't play. So I feel like we really don't know how these two teams match up against each other. But off off the top of your head, how do you view that that matchup for the, the Thunder? I think the Pelicans can give the Thunder a lot of problems. Because there's the yeah. bruising down low of Valanciunas and Zion. You've got Herb Jones you can throw on to Shea. I feel like they have a lot more natural counters to the Thunder's team construction and these really rangy wing perimeter defenders that are going to give Shea. Like, the thing with Shea, man, like, you know, I'm doing my film study. Like, Jaden McDaniels is guarding him, and it's like, Shea is getting what he wants. Like, it's unbelievable how good Shea is. So when we were like, they've got a good wing defender. We're not saying they're going to shut Shea down, but it's like, can you make Shea shoot? It's all about winning a few possessions. A few possessions here and there, making it a little bit more difficult for Shea. And, like, I think the Pelicans could give them some problems, um, especially on the glass. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The one interesting thing about, um, like, this matchup in particular is really Chet has done really, really well in these matchups thus far. He's had pretty much 20 and 10 in, in both matchups with over 20, 10 and two, basically with two blocks. So um, with the the physical size, he's at least figured out thus far how to produce against a, a team like the Pelicans, which is pr- definitely promising. Yeah, I'm not too worried uh, about Chet offensively up and down the entire Western Conference. I don't think offensively he's going to have a lot of issues in the playoffs. I'm, I'm really more worried about the defense. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and that's, it's kind of rough. Cause it's like, 
That's the kind of thing that you just never know how it's going to pan out. I, I think that's what's... Because hypothetically... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. What were you I say? think one thing I've learned, you know, doing the film study on this Thunder team is like, I know this isn't to take away from their record, but it's like Clippers. They're two and one versus the Clippers. Kawhi didn't play in one. Harden didn't play in the other. Denver. They're three and one versus Denver. But Aaron Gordon didn't play in one and Jokic didn't play in one. You know, it's just like a lot of like, you know, and we're talking about like the Pelicans. Zion didn't play in one. And then like, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Warriors. Draymond, it, the Thunder seem to have gotten kind of lucky slash unlucky in the sense of like, you know, how is this going to look in the playoffs in terms of like the amount of stars missing games and their matchups has been is kind of crazy against like all these top teams in the West. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little crazy. Um, so I, I don't really have anything else to say about the Pelicans. Who would you if, if the playoffs started today, who would you pick in a Pelicans OKC matchup? I think I would. You know, it's tough. I think I think I would lean OKC, but I would only have them as slight favorites in this matchup. And I think part of that is like. The Pelicans sometimes seem to go through these ebbs and flows of like playing well for a week and a half and then not playing well for a week and a half. Like right now they're in a little mini slump and it's like, it's kind of, it feels like if both teams are operating on full cylinders, I kind of like the Pelicans a little bit more, but I think just realistically with how good the Thunder's half court offense is um, and the consistency game to game we've seen from the Thunder, I'd feel a little bit more confident picking them. Yeah, I think we're we're right in the same place. I, I think I would definitely if, if for nothing, I, I would lean Thunder because of like what his, history has told us about number one and number two seeds in, in the first round. They generally always win. Um, and that's because they're generally better teams. Of course, this year in the West is a little insane. And I feel like. Over the last couple of years, just in the playoffs in general, there's become this like weird paradigm of like a lot of the teams at the top of the conference are like are are huge question marks in terms of like, what have you done for me? And the teams at the bottom of the conference are huge question marks in terms of health and like current season success. But they have these like insane insanely high ceiling stars so um i don't know and we'll see that as we keep digging through where do you want to go next do you want to go suns lakers or warriors or mavs uh let's do suns suns are the probably the team of those three i think the thunder have the best shot against just because thunder again a team that aren't going to really punish their weaknesses too much but a wrinkle to the suns offense they don't have in most games is the ability to just dump the ball to nurk and get a bucket it, exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's really hard to understate like how freakishly good Chet is at guarding drives. And when he's able to kind of play off, play on the non-shooter and rotate over, like he's really, really good defending the rim. But like it's also you can't understate that like Minnesota is like, oh, we can post up Gobert and he's going to dunk it every time because this guy is so weak at the moment. And I think that is a wrinkle to the Suns that like we don't even know if the Suns will ever go to it because they don't really do that right now. But like, that's interesting for Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, in the past this season, when they've found a mismatch that that Nurk can kind of bully ball in the post, it's it's not something that they're afraid of spamming. There's there's been a couple times in the year where it's just like that's working. Let's just keep feeding Nurk. I, I mean, I think in a playoff series, just knowing Book and KD, I think they're gonna kind of be apprehensive to go there immediately. But a playoff series is a long thing, and you know, I I think the Thunder definitely have the the horses to guard the Suns. I think of of any of these teams. If I'm a Thunder fan, the Suns are really high up on my list of teams that I would like to see, whether that's in the first round or in the second round, or hey, I'm a Suns fan, in the conference finals. I think my worry for Phoenix is the Thunder have this ability to really spread the Suns out. And I I just have a feeling if these teams played, it would look a lot like last year's Denver Suns series, where it's like the Suns aren't really having any problems scoring, but they just can't answer the other team's offense at all. And like, 
over the course of the series, the the you know better team is kind of winning that war of attrition, and I think that's I could one hundred. I kind of feel like that's what a series between these teams looks like. It's like a Thunder and six, but the Suns have like two games where Durant and Booker are just Durant and Booker on you know what they do. Yeah, yeah, no, I th- I think you're one hundred percent hitting the nail on on the head right there, and I'm really excited to see what this matchup looks like because the Suns and the uh, Thunder have once. only played once yeah. this season. It was really really early. Booker didn't play. Beal was on a minutes restriction. Like we really haven't seen these teams go head to head, and I think they play next week, so that should be really telling. Um, just to see what that matchup is like going forward. All right, should we talk Lakers? This yeah, is, let's this go is Lakers. Fun, this is the one that if I'm a Thunder fan, I'm probably like, I don't even know how to feel because you think about it and you're like, okay, we're going against this Lakers team that's a, just a mess in the half court. This Lakers team sucks in the half court. We're great in the half court. We both like to play slow. It kind of plays into our hands. But yet the Lakers are two and one against them. They were two and one against them last year. Clearly, Davis and LeBron are just huge problems for this um, Thunder team, um, just with their size, their physicality. So it's it's one of these weird matchups where I, I it's again it's like the Pelicans. I feel like if the Lakers are ho humming on all cylinders like last year's playoffs, I think I'd pick the Lakers. But you know, with Darvin Ham's disaster class of a coaching season and. Just the general Lakers weirdness. I think we're on like a nine episode run of bringing up <laughs> Darvin Ham's coaching decision. Um, yeah, like how do you feel? Like I don't know how this series plays out because if you told me like it looks kind of like the Warriors series last year, where it's like Davis is just shutting down the spacing, like shutting down Chet, and he's also able to play the driving lanes, and his length is giving Shea problems on those short mid ranges, and. You know, J-Dub is big and strong, but LeBron James is a whole different beast. And like, you know, I don't know. I, I Yeah, they're, they're kind of like polar opposites as far as teams, in my view. Like one team is super, super deep. One team is about as shallow as they come. Um, one team just really focuses on like force and, and strength to be their deciding factor in a lot of wins. And then uh, I think the Thunder are a lot more egalitarian. They can rely a lot more on shooting. And like, I think both teams really have no answer for the stars on the on the other team. Like the Thunder, I think, who do you throw against LeBron? You're probably settling with a Lou Dort there. Which I definitely has the strength, but is is way undersized. And I mean, you just don't feel really great about anybody guarding LeBron. I feel terrible about a Chet AD matchup, uh, especially for for Chet's what would most likely be Chet's first ever playoff series. That's a really tough draw to yeah, go Anthony in. Da- and grab Anthony Davis up. comes at you fast, man. Not yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and then. But also on the other side of the coin, it's like, who are the Lakers guarding Shea and Jalen Williams with? Like Austin Reeves will get absolutely cooked in this in this series just because Shea is going to mismatch mismatch hunt him to death. Look at what the the Suns have done in their their last two yeah, the, matchups against the, the Lakers. The, the Thunder have done this in like almost every game. Is the other team's defensive matchups are up and down the board. Like every time I've watched the Thunder game for film study, it's like the other team's small forward is guarding Shea and the the point guard is guarding blah blah blah. And it's like everyone yeah, is guarding yeah, yeah. somebody that they're not normally guarding. But I think with the Lakers, the real question is if Vanderbilt comes back and if Ham mm-hmm. actually does play to the team's strengths, which last year was just size, overwhelming size and physicality, more Rui minutes, more Vanderbilt minutes. You know, Hayes is actually really starting to come along for the Lakers in a big way. Like, can the Lakers win the rebounding battle for all 48 minutes every game? Like, that's where I think the Thunder run into problems is if the Lakers play to their strengths. But then the question for the Lakers is, if you're playing Vanderbilt a lot of minutes, can you generate enough offense produce enough because offense, even if you slow yeah. shade, again you slow shade down a little bit you're not stopping him and i still think the thunder are going to be able to get a lot of points like i know we're talking about the ad chet matchup there's still going to be enough possessions where chet's spacing out for three and he's hitting a three or chet 
you know, is getting open mid-range looks because Shea is, you know, Shea is beating his man off the dribble and AD has to help. It's not like AD is going to just completely hold Shep to a zero, right? Like Shea is such a dynamic offensive threat. He's going to still get offense for these guys. And I think that's what's tough for the Lakers is it's kind of hard to picture them scoring enough. But at the same time, there is a world where you're like, oh my God, they're winning the foul battle. Like they're shooting 20 more free throws every They're winning the foul game. battle. They're winning the rebound battle. Uh, and those are like two huge, huge, huge indicators. And the other thing that's that's difficult when we talk about who's going to guard J-Dub, like, I don't know if LeBron kicks it up to 100, like, I don't hate that for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, the reason I hate that for the Lakers is I don't want LeBron kicking it up to 100 on defense when I'm relying on him to basically be my entire offense, I guess, Less so recently with the D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he's tailed off a little bit recently, but but just with what D'Angelo Russell has been able to do. At the end of the day, I would probably pick the Thunder in this matchup just because I don't believe in what the Lakers have as far as depth. And I think that they probably wouldn't be able to score enough points at the end of the day, but I wouldn't be feeling great about it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go toss up. I'm a little less optimistic for OKC in this, just because both teams like to play in the half court. And if it is a half court game, even though the Thunder are the best half court offense, like reducing the amount of possessions increases your vulnerability to losing on the boards. In a very high possession game, you can you can scoff up a couple more offensive rebounds and live with it. It's tough when the possessions go down. Yeah, it almost comes down to like, does Torian Prince hit four threes in two separate games? If he does, then like the Lakers are probably going to win this series. Yeah, no. Yeah, like if does Rui make his threes? Does Rui get enough offensive boards? Is Vanderbilt's, you know, is Vanderbilt playable? Those are. Yeah, is Shea scoring an efficient 30 points a game or is he scoring an efficient. 40 points a game against like the Lakers perimeter defense. Yep. Which like you could easily convince me that it would go either way. You know, the other thing when we talk about like, can those guys hit threes? I actually think a lot of Thunder games might come down to, because they're playing Giddy. Like it seems like Giddy is going to play. I know they've got Hayward, so they can slot Hayward in. Hayward did not look yeah, good like, this weekend. They've when got I some shooters, them. like Isaiah Joe's kind of small, but it, it seems like Giddy's going to play. He's going to play big minutes, so like we just need to. It's kind of like you know what? I, I am a believer in Isaiah Joe playoff minutes. I gotta say, like he can hold his own on defense, and I think if he's playing next to Shea, like I, I think that they can get solid minutes out of. But him. I think what you're going to see, because what I'm seeing in a lot of these regular season matchups is teams put their rim defender, their center on Giddy. And they put, you know, their their power forward onto Chet because Chet's not punishing them like that. And, you know, then the rim protector can help because Giddy's not shooting. But Giddy shoots 32% from three. So that's kind of the big thing in a lot of these Thunder games. Like, if Giddy makes four threes, like, then they're kind of hard to stop. Because if guys aren't going to guard Giddy, like, it's not like Giddy is a 20% three-point shooter. He's a 32% three-point shooter. So it's like... That's just... A, He's not a Thompson triplet. Again, that's just under one point per possession. And, like, half-court offenses, like, don't generate offense as easily as transition. So, like, that's honestly not the worst thing in the world. And it's like the Thunder is like, does he make it or does he not? Like, is a little... I feel a little bit more confident in it than some other teams. I guess, you know, like, Prince is a better yeah, three-point well, shooter you can than Giddy, also but it's like, I don't love just giving Giddy wide-open threes all day. Yeah, no, I don't either. And and you can also that's actually a huge way the that the Suns ended up losing their game against the Thunder. They were winning 99% of the game and then but they were leaving Giddy open. He kept hitting threes and then the rest of the team heated up. But what I was going to say about Giddy is in the playoffs if spacing is a problem, there's other guys you can put in and then you just start staggering Shea and Giddy. Because when Giddy's on ball, like you have to guard him and then you lose that advantage. So I, I think the Giddy thing is a, a little bit overstated in, in how much you don't have because you don't have to guard him because he's he's a great offensive player in general. He's just not a good shooter. Yeah. Um, all right. The next, the final team they could potentially draw in the first round if they kind of drop into the standings after this little hot streak and this team continues to keep playing well is the Mavericks. 
Yes. One and one against the Mavericks this season. Um, hate this matchup for the Yeah, Thunder. I don't like this matchup. Hate this for matchup for the I'm I don't know, so I will say I don't know who on Dallas has a prayer of going Shea. No. But what I really don't like is just like who is gonna guard Luca because Dork can't do it. Luca absolutely thrashed Dork last time they played. I, I just don't feel confident with anyone in this Thunder team guarding Luca. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it's like that for any team. You know, who's gonna guard Luca? I, I think there's a lot worse people to throw at him than Dort. Um, at least you're gonna expend some energy from him, which I don't even know if that matters. I think you can get a couple, a, a good amount of possessions um, from J Dub guarding him. I think you can have a couple possessions with the length of Shea on him. But um, yeah, they just really haven't shown for a consistent like spread of time in either of their matchups that they're able to you know take anything away from Luka like so of course the Mavericks absolutely destroyed them a couple weeks ago post trade deadline that was kind of the first incarnation that that we saw of this new Mavericks team but even looking back in the first time they matched up this season, they're going to match up two more times. The Thunder won 126 to 120. But in that game, the Thunder were up huge and they gave up a 30 to 0 run against the Mavericks. The Ma- Mavericks went on a 30 to 0 run in the middle of that game and turned it into like a back and forth matchup up until the very end. And that's before the Mavericks made their additions. So, I mean, I, I still have my reservations against the Mavericks in, in general. I, I'm still a little sus about their shooting in, in their main rotation. And I do think that'll matter in an OKC matchup. Uh, like, OKC can score. Um, but, yeah, it'll just be an absolute beast to deal with Luka in, in a series like that, especially if they match up in the first round, which I think they probably would if they match up. I think what's scary for the Thunder is even though they're 1-1, one one, to your point, like that first game, Lively's plus 12. In the second game, Lively doesn't play, Gafford's plus 9. It's like the Thunder, Chet is better than Lively. Chet is better than Gafford, but like Styles make fights and like, I don't know, man. I think the Mavericks are just going to be a lot for the Thunder to handle on the glass. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I, they, think, like, I think they would pretty easily lose that. that if there's battle. any team that can just drag Chet out of the paint with pick and roll actions, it's this Dallas team. Yeah. And that's and that's how you get Chet into foul trouble. And once Chet's in foul trouble, I, I think it is still kind of a a shame that they didn't go out and try to get another real big. I know they got Bismack Biombo, but I've watched Bismack Biombo playoff minutes for the last two years, and it's pretty rough. You can get a good couple of minutes out of him, but he, you know, he constantly fouls. He's just not a guy that can play sustained minutes. And I think this is another series like like the Lakers series. I just wish you had like another big you could play. I I really wish they had another big that they could play next to Chet. But I I realize that bigs like that don't don't grow on trees. Yeah, no, this this would be a fun series. I don't think this would be a a short series in either direction. I think this would be one that could go a bit longer, maybe six, seven games. But I guess I slightly Dallas. Yeah, it's it's tough because. I do think that the Thunder have answers for everything other than Luka. And, uh, of course. But I don't think Dallas really has very many defensive answers across the board either. Like, Chet in a playoff series will be a real problem offensively for Dallas to deal Mm -hmm. with. Like, Dallas, with the rim rim protectors that they have, you want those guys right next to the hoop and OKC can play five out in a way that is very rare across the league. It and um, and takes those those rim protectors away. And then you've got Shea 
pretty much just strolling to the rim over and over and over again. You're going to be asking a lot of Kyrie Irving in this series defensively, which, you know, Kyrie's kind of a mixed bag in in what he can give you defensively. So I, I'm I'm with you. I think it this would probably be a seven game series. And uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, I think this Who series to me is similar to the Sun series where it's two teams that I think are really going to struggle to guard each other. I mm. just, for me, even though the Thunder are the number one half-court offense, just I've seen Luka do it three years now in the playoffs where he's just unstoppable. And I, I just haven't seen it from Shea yet. So that's that's my only kind of real Mavericks lean and also just winning the battle on the glass. Yeah, I mean, and and I got to give the Thunder a little props here. They're not only the number one half-court offense, but they're also the number two, at least from a points-per-play basis, half-court defense. So we're not talking about like a complete sieve on defense like the Suns or like the Mavericks. Um, But... um, yeah, I mean, I, I right now I I lean OKC. I just haven't seen consistency from the the Mavs team, and I mean, we just saw this weekend a team that I think offensively, at least in the open court, can play a lot like the Thunder in the Pacers. Just ran the Mavs up and down the court and absolutely demolished them. And I think with a lot of like ISO guard talent athleticism that's something that the Mavs will struggle with a lot um especially with the athleticism that the Thunder have but um yeah seven game series I think easily and right now leaning the Mav or leaning the Thunder but I think I I definitely foresee just I need a couple more weeks on the Mavericks I just need a little little bit more more info all right so those are the potential first round matchups. These are potential second round matchups slash one of those teams could be a second round matchup. Where do you want to start between the Clippers, Denver, and Minnesota? Um, yeah, these are the these are the big dogs. Um, why don't we start? Why don't why don't we just start with the Clippers and, and uh, go forward from there? The Clippers are actually my favorite matchup for them out of out of these three. Yeah, I teams. kind of I have them in Minnesota as kind of equal threats to the Thunder. Um, I think like what's tough for the Clippers again, it goes to this whole point: the rim attempts are low, and the rim attempts they do get, you know, they're usually dump downs or drives, and like that kind of plays into the strength of the Thunder defense. Um, the Thunder, the, the Clippers are like they kind of play like a small ball team, even though they do play their like seven foot Zubach, they play their seven foot Plumley, they kind of play more small ball y. And I think what's tough is even though I know we're talking about half court offense, is like Harden has struggled in really fast up and down transition games. Like we've seen it, like when he got traded to Philly and Brooklyn just pushed the pace on them that game. Like, and I think this is a series where OKC can really try to get out and run and really use their youth to their advantage. Um, so they're two and one versus the Clippers. Kawhi didn't play in one of those wins. Harden didn't play in the other one. They lost the game where the Clippers were at full strength. So I slightly lean Clippers here just because of the experience. I think Kawhi and Georgia can be a lot to handle on this series. And I don't think the Thunder necessarily attack their weaknesses. But this is another series where I'm like, having watched Kawhi and Georgia all year, I don't feel like they're the same isolation defenders they've always been and like if they're not going to be that like Shea might run wild this series yeah yeah I I think you hit the nail on the head with I think that matchup really comes down to pace if if the series ends up being mostly kind of half court iso possessions although the Thunder have been such a great half court team this year I definitely lean Clippers I mean we've they've got three of the better ISO players of this generation on the team, all playing near to their prime levels, maybe some closer than others. Um, I tend to believe that Kawhi can turn it up defensively at any given time. So in a a moment where you've really got to take Shea out of the game, if J-Dub is really cooking, the ability to just say, hey, I'm going to drop Kawhi on 
on you and he's going to take a break offensively and we can just turn to Paul George. We can just turn to James Harden to get to generate our offense to produce um, the scoring. I think that's just a huge, huge coup and a a huge ability that most teams are not going to be able to do. Um, Also, the thing that is tough for the Thunder is I I think in all of the other matchups that we've talked about thus far, they definitely have the uh, advantage when it comes to um, depth. And with these three teams, I I think they kind of don't have that advantage anymore. Maybe they do slightly, but not like meaningfully like they do in the in the other matchups that we've talked about thus far. They meaningfully do over depth. Um, yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, and of course, Denver offers other problems. Yeah, one thing that I found really interesting was I pulled the three like main stars, um, just splits against these three teams. And Chet has a pretty consti- consistent defensive rating. Like, uh, obviously, one man de- defensive ratings are a little skewed. But Chet has a pretty consistently good defensive rating against most teams. But against the Clippers, he has a 122 defensive rating. The the Clippers just have a really unique way of being able to, you know, they're so dominant offensively, um, especially in, in ISO, that they can put a guy like Chet into so many actions and just make it as hard as possible for him to exist in that scenario. So I would lean Clippers here. Um, I lean Clippers. But um, yeah, yeah, I I just I yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I actually lean Clippers pretty heavily. I'm curious what the Clippers are going to do in the playoffs, because watching the last game these two teams played, man, like Westbrook, the the Thunder were like, we honestly don't even care who's guarding Westbrook because this guy is going to break every fucking shot he takes. Dude, Westbrook had like four shots that hit the underside of the rim. Like the narrative of Westbrook versus the reality of Westbrook this season is kind of crazy. I think he's really yeah, going to hurt yeah. the Clippers in a playoff series. And like, I'm really curious how low his minutes are going to get because like the more minutes he plays, the Thunder are the better off the Thunder are. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I The one thing is they have Ty Lu. They have Ty Lu. I believe in Ty Lu. After watching him in a couple playoff series, like with this Clippers squad, I, I think he'll pull him if he's not being additive. But um, of course, who knows? Like the dynamic of that good coaches make bad little, decisions all the time. Weird with them. But I will say in a Thunder series, I cannot be dissuaded from the idea that Russell Westbrook will win at least one game for the Clippers just by like summoning the basketball God's power, him being back in OKC and he'll just hit like, I don't know, he'll hit a big shot or something. But um, that's completely unquantifiable and just uh, I want to see it because it would be a fun story. It's a fun reunion uh, game, you know, Westbrook, Westbrook, OKC, Harden, OKC, Paul George, OKC. It's a fun reunion game. I know oh, that it would be so funny if these two teams met in the playoffs just after what happened for them to get where they are today. Um, but I don't know. I don't have any more to say about the Clippers. Do you? Um, I guess I want to just see what, like, I want to see. I don't think these teams are playing a fourth time this year. And it, it, that's what kind of sucks with this OKC. There's all yeah, these games are. versus these top teams where the other team is not playing one of their stars. So it's like, I really don't know what they're truly going to look like. But yeah, I guess let's just see what hard it looks like, man. I think that's the, the, the thing with the Clippers. It's like, it's all these non-statistical things we're worried about. Does Harden start playing differently? Does Russ become unplayable? Does Kawhi get hurt? It's like all those things with the Clippers, but that's not really a Thunder specific thing. All right, let's go to Minnesota. This is the matchup Many. I want to see. They're two and two versus the, the, the Timberwolves. And I really love this matchup just from a like, I think it's much more of a toss up. Minnesota's size is very you know, empowering for them. There's this fun, like, J-Dub and Shea versus McDaniels and Edwards, you know, thing Minnesota can throw at them. 
In in the last game I watched between these two teams, McDaniels was really able to get on the glass because Chet really was struggling with the size of Gobert. Um, but man, one thing that the Thunder take advantage of, even though Minnesota has like all these mismatches size wise, is Minnesota is such a bad passing team that mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. anytime because Towns is getting matched up with like Giddy. Jada, it's just guys that have no prayer guarding talents, but Towns also is like, I'm going to shoot it. I've got a good matchup. And like Chet swats him like every time. He's like, dude, I know you're going to shoot it. Like, here, I'm going to go block you. Um, because he knows he's not, Towns isn't going to go find Gobert in the dump down. He's not going to find the shooter on the kick out. Like this team really, in the games I watched, took advantage of the Minnesota's lack of passing. And that's why the games between these teams are kind of ugly. Yeah, I mean, I honestly have no idea what a series between these two teams would be like. Like, you could convince me that it's a seven-game series. You could convince me that either team wins in five just because the, like, weird styles makes fights of it all, like, just was really bad um, for for one of the teams. Um, I, I think the, the stats do spell out that Chet versus Minnesota this year. He's struggled a little bit offensively, only shooting 40% from the field in their four matchups against uh, Minnesota. But I think defensively, Chet is in a place to to thrive. He's, He's at least in his like, Good areas on the floor always against the uh, Timberwolves because they're always going to be playing with a true center on the floor at all times. And it gives Chet a little switchability when the the Timberwolves are playing with two bigs. Of course, who's switching this, that that matchup for the Thunder? I'm not feeling great about that. I think what's like so interesting about the series is I noted this because it was like two possessions early on in one of their games. So Towns has J-Dub on him. So he bullies Jade up to the rim, and then Holmgren helps over on Gobert because Gobert's kind of a non-threat, and he knows Cat's not going to pass it, and he blocks Cat. A couple possessions later, Cat gets like matched onto another wing, spins off him, and just drives into a crowd, and it's like every other Timberwolves player is wide open on this play, and Towns just kind of throws up a bad shot. And I'm like, that's where I'm a little like, it's weird because they can literally dump the ball to Gobert and he can just score on Chet. This is probably the only matchup in the whole league where Gobert can actually be a crazy offensive weapon in isolation. But that is the other thing too is like the Thunder are like, okay, Gobert is eating on him. Like how many times, like I feel like Gobert is probably someone who's not used to that role. And like, you can't really do that that often. You could probably get away with that one or two times a game before they trick him into some double team turnovers. So it's kind of, I almost feel like this Minnesota matchup is like, how much is Minnesota going to, punch themselves in the face. And if they don't do it too many times, I feel like Minnesota should win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have an answer for pretty much anything that the thunder, at least from an individual standpoint can throw at them. And the thunder definitely don't have like, can't say the same thing defensively towards the Timberwolves. I will say though, but yeah, like, because yeah, Minnesota can throw McDaniels or Edwards at Shea and J-Dub, like, feel really good. I will say it feels like Minnesota does not feel comfortable letting Edwards go at uh, Dort because it felt like any time Edwards got the ball, the immediate action was how do we switch Dort off of him? Whereas yeah, I do like is, for the is... Thunder that even if McDaniels or Edwards is starting Shea, the Thunder are not afraid to be like, you know what, Shea, get a bucket. Yeah, yeah. Work for it because you're going to get tired if you're doing this all day long. Um, who are you choosing in this in this matchup if it were to if it were starting tomorrow? My gut I would go Minnesota and I think it's cuz Minnesota will have game 7 at home, so I feel more confident in like the Nikhil Alex, Alexander Walker 5-3s game over like the Giddy 5-3s game on a road. So if if the Thunder and Timberwolves were to switch one, two spots, would that change who you pick? It might. I okay. feel like home so, court so for these types of things maybe matters between two young teams a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I don't think it's nothing that Chet would be returning home for this matchup. I think. That's the kind of thing that can make a really young player sink or swim 
going back to their hometown. Like sometimes it raises the boat, sometimes it lowers the boat. But um, yeah, I think right now, if I had to choose, I guess I'd choose the Timberwolves just because they have a little bit more playoff experience. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I It's it's really even. It, it, it's the kind of thing that I think even after like the first round of the playoffs, we'll have a more clear vision of what these two teams would look like in a matchup against each other. But um, yeah, definitely doesn't play to the Thunder's strengths yeah. to, to play in a, in a series against the Timberwolves. And I mean, the Timberwolves, I, I don't know. The Timberwolves were pretty good against Denver last year. I know it was a shorter series. They kind of gave Memphis when Memphis two years ago. Like that was a really fun series between two young teams. I feel like Minnesota definitely played a lot better in that series than anyone anticipated. Like this could be a big moment for Ant. Yeah. Hey, it will be this this playoff. Like there's going to be a lot of ant content coming out at the end of this playoffs, good or bad. Um, I think it, it's all there for the taking for him. It just depends on what it ends up looking like. Yep. All right. Last team, uh, Denver Nuggets. I man. So they're three and one versus the Nuggets. They won both games in Denver. So on the surface, you're like, wow, they kind of own Denver. Jokic missed one of those wins. Aaron Gordon missed another one of those wins. I watched the one without Gordon. There's a lot of like Jokic being guarded by Chet and JJ just stands in the middle of the paint. And they're like, we know we don't have a cutting threat in Gordon because Peyton Watson is not that guy. I, anytime Jokic had the ball, the Thunder's defense like completely either had to conform to this weird soft help zone or they had to get in rotation. And I just think it's going to be way too easy for Denver to break the OKC defense by simply giving Jokic the ball this series. Yeah, I hate this matchup for the Thunder. I mean, you're pulling Chet super far away from from the hoop. I I, I guess you could try to guard Jokic with someone else. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that's going to go very well for you as like a long term answer to Jokic. And I, I, I think um, what's tough is even though we don't like Denver's depth as much, like Jokic is going to play 44 minutes a game, 43 minutes a game in the series, and like Jokic plus literally anybody is going to be tough. <laughs> to go yeah, yeah. I mean, just Jokic <laughs> yeah, in general Jokic is, is going to be so bear. many problems in this, this series for the Thunder. And I, I could see this honestly being a shorter series. Yeah, I could see this. Yeah, I, I think kind of best case scenario for a series against the Nuggets is like somewhat similar to the Suns Nuggets series last year of like Shea and J-Dub had really big games uh, two times in the series. But at the end of the day, just the the pure force of um, Jokic and Aaron Gordon was just too much. I think the Thunder will get destroyed on the boards. You're going to have to match minutes with Chet and Jokic. And I know Chet's not a huge foul, like guy that gets into foul trouble all the time. But I think in this series, he would be. Um, and like a lot of the times in the playoffs, Jokic is bringing up the ball. Like you, you're going to have Chet run basically doing suicides across this, uh, across this floor. It's just, I, I also, yeah. And then Jamal Murray, you have answers that you can put on Jamal Murray, but I think kind of the theme of this whole playoff talks is like great offense always beats <laughs> really good defense. Cool. At the end of the day. I, yeah, I think it's tough, too, because, like, defensively, I know Denver is not a world beater on defense, but, like, I kind of like putting, you know, like, uh, Michael Porter on Giddy, Aaron Gordon on J-Dub, and Caldwell Pope on Shea and being like, all right, like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, if, if I could make somebody in a lab to guard J-Dub, like, Aaron Gordon is probably that guy. Yeah, I mean, J-Dub loses the thing that makes him J-Dub in that matchup of just, like, his athleticism and his strength. And I got to say, like, Michael Porter Jr. had some really, really great moments defensively in their playoff run last year. So, like, I'm not feeling terrible about having possessions where he's guarding Shea because Shea is such a well-sized guard. I don't feel terrible about possessions where he's guarding J-Dub either. Uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, I would I would pick 
nuggets in a, in a heartbeat in this matchup. Yeah. All right. So it seems like we both we kind of love this Thunder team, but I think both of us think maybe not smoke and mirrors, but a little misleading for how good of a playoff team they could be. Yeah, I mean they're they're a great, great, great regular season team that if they get the right matchups could go to the finals. If they get the right matchups and they get the ball to bounce in the right way. But it's just, I, it feels like we're a, a year or two or three too early for this team. Yeah. I think once once Chet has some experience in his belt, once he can be the real aggressor in every single one of these scenarios, um, that's when this Thunder team really starts rolling. Yeah. And I think one thing that's important to like remember, because right now we're in the moment where the Thunder are winning like four straight, five straight. And you kind of like, well, how are those teams going to keep up like offensively, you know, with this team? But you got to remember, like last year, the Kings had the best offense in NBA history. Like, like three years ago, the Mavericks had the then best offense in NBA history. Like your half court, your regular season offensive rating is is cool and all, but doesn't hasn't translated to postseason success like one to one. Like all of those teams got figured out when they got to the playoffs. Yeah, well, especially just at this point in NBA history, like those indicators mean less and less and less when we get to the playoffs. Like even like in the 2010s, when teams had those kind of statistical like marks, that really meant something. And I I just think now, like, I don't know, like. They're a young team. They're getting up for every single game. They they have fresh legs and they're playing against a league that is progressively older and older and older and older. It's just I, it makes a little sense that they're doing this this year of all years as well. I just I don't know. Enjoy it. OK, see, enjoy it. You guys are the good guys right now. It's never going to be more fun than this season because nobody's expecting anything from you and you are and they are producing everything that you could have ever imagined as a fan. And with expectations comes drama, with expectations comes disappointment. So just relish it and Timberwolves fans too. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but enjoy it this year. It doesn't get any better than the year that you're a surprise one seed. Well, you know, Patrick, I know you haven't had the the enjoyment of winning your having seen your team win the championship, but I actually that year tends to be a little bit better. Yeah, I bet that would, I bet that would be nice. <laughs> what what is that? What's your champion championship? I don't I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I've never I've never heard of that. I thought I thought it was just a round robin tournament to end the 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 year. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get to best take, worst take every Monday podcast slash Tuesday of this week. Patrick and I nominate the best take and the worst take of the NBA media landscape um, this week. Patrick, should I just get it out of the way? We had the same worst take. Yeah, let's let's just get it out um, of the way. So. Uh, Draymond Green said, quote, Miles Bridges can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, Miles, he said this after Miles Bridges started a, basically tried to start a scuffle because someone on the Warriors took a last second shot and the game was over. Drama about the end of basketball games is the dumbest thing ever. Uh, it's also fun to remember Miles Bridges committed domestic violence against his partner. So I would think that would be doing some wrong. Um, Draymond Green sucks. Yeah. Draymond Green sucks. He sucks so bad. It's like it's not really fun to joke about this in this context, but clearly this is a guy who's comfortable with violence, given what he just said and his all uncourt actions. Like, I don't know, man. This is pretty bad. Yeah, not only violence, violence towards women as well. Like, just like complete clown show. Like, I don't know. Like, grow up, Draymond. Like, I get that you guys went to the same college together. But yeah, like, like grow a pair. It's like just, you can be this tough guy yeah, on the court, but fucking grow a pair, bro. Like take a stand. Also, like I think even if Miles Bridges didn't have the off the court stuff, like if your teammate, you know, shoots a shot last second, and so many other team gets mad at them, stand up for your fucking teammate, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't even. And, and if you don't know like about Miles Bridges, just look it up. Just look it up, and you will know how much Draymond Green sucks. First ever unanimous non-discussion 
Uh, worst take of the week, um, Draymond Green. Congratulations, buddy. Yeah. Who is, uh, I guess, what, to lighten things up before we get to best take, who could do no wrong in your eyes? Um, who, who's the best take of the no, week? No, who can do, who can I've do got, no wrong in your eyes? Oh, who can do no wrong in my eyes? Um, I'd say from basketball, Steve Nash is pretty close to being able to do no wrong in my eyes. What about, what about you, James? Ooh, from a basketball perspective? See, sometimes LeBron be a little too passive and it kind of upsets me. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jimmy Butler, I've had my whole thing about how he kind of upsets me. Sometimes Joel Embiid, I feel like the shot selection is a little wild. Wish it didn't. I wish he could pass out the double teams better. And those are some of my favorites. Um, let me do no wrong in my eyes. I'm going to go with my boy across the board. I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley, even though I feel like he's declined a lot as an athlete. I just love him. So, Or, you know, actually Odell Beckham. Every time Odell had drama... The, the kicking the net thing. I was always on his side. I don't think Odell could ever do any wrong in my eyes. That's my guy. I, w- I was kind of expecting an Eli Manning shout out, but I, g- I guess he did do do wrong um, around his like amazing. Yeah. Well, he also, there was this weird thing. I don't know, Max, you're not a football guy, but for whatever reason, anytime we played the Vikings, Eli malfunctioned. Like his career stats, if you remove the Vikings, like dramatically improved because it like <laughs> actually adjusts his touchdown to interception ratio like a significant amount. It's kind of crazy. That's crazy. I wonder if there's any basketball players like that where if you like take out one team, like I don't, I don't know, Jerry West just couldn't play this- against the Pistons <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, one more guy that can do no wrong in my eyes, Larry David. Do you guys you guys watch Curb? You guys on the on the Curb bandwagon right now? I I am loving this final season. I am gonna be so sad when it's over. I was I was a little questioning after the first episode, but the rest of the season so far has just been peak peak Curb your enthusiasm. Um, Okay, best take. I would have said Will Ferrell too, but he did Anchorman too. He did that one movie with John C. Riley that was like the worst reboot movie ever. I didn't see that one, so. But Will Ferrell before He's that. got a lot of stinkers. That, yeah, before the stinkers, Will Ferrell was untouchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, best take. Who was your best take? Um, my best take was uh, going... It, it is going to Kawhi Leonard this week because he had, in my opinion, a absolutely hilarious answer to a question. A reporter asked him, what goes into you being able to be available for so many of these games this year? And Kawhi Leonard answered... Not tearing my ACL, not tearing my meniscus, which is just like, yeah, that's a good take, man. You didn't get injured this year, so you are playing. I I hate how I feel like people always like like just because Kawhi has missed so much over the last couple of years, they're they're like making it almost seem like he didn't play on purpose, which I just we really have no evidence of that being the case, even though I guess it's a pretty popular conspiracy theory around NBA circles. But like the most obvious answer and probably the answer that is has the most truth to it is he tore his ACL and he tore his meniscus. So he wasn't playing the last couple of years as much. I know. So I thought that was really funny. I feel like. Across all sports and basketball, especially like when guys have really bad injuries, like we in the moment they come back, we're like, oh, it's in the rear view. But it's like it's not, you know, injuries, especially those big knee injuries are never really in the rear view. They're always they're always on the present in your career going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. The like progression, especially like with physical in- injuries, is not like always linear. And just because. You can, you've got to a point where you can play a basketball game doesn't mean you're like healthier. Yeah. yeah just same exactly guy. what you've said. Yeah. The, you know, it's the same, um, okay. same thing with like a couple of years ago. Like LeBron had a high ankle spray that's supposed to be like an eight week injury. He came back early and everyone's like, all right, well, he's, he's back. So he's 100% healthy. It's like, no, he can't really even jump right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. My best take is going to uh, Kevin Durant. Let's go. Let's you go. Know, I, think I, I think I'm giving KD best take twice. Um, for those of you who didn't see KD, he was walking out of the tunnel pretty early, and two Rowdy Mavericks fans called him the B-word. Um, and KD, they tried to instantly make it up to him, so clown show move on their part. They tried to shake his hand. They were like, come on. And he's like, no. 
But he talked to them, talked it out. The security asked if he wanted them kicked out. He said no because they paid for their tickets. And you know what? In this world where everything is super arguing and everyone wants to be right all the time instead of I, I just think Kevin Durant treating, you know, people who he didn't really didn't need to treat with respect, with a decent amount of respect, respecting them, buying their tickets and, you know, just trying to level with them, I think is really good. And I think like Good on KD for not just, you know, doing what a lot of other NBA stars nowadays are doing. It's just if someone says something that upsets them. Yeah, a lot of other NBA stars based in Texas would would just throw fans out out of the arena. Thank God that there's some stars with some class still in the NBA. No, I'm kidding. Did you see what those people said, though? Yeah, I mean, I I heard the initial thing and they were like, come on, man, it's not that big a deal. It's like, bro, you can't just call somebody that and then act like you're all cool just because you you thought they weren't going to turn around. Well, and the lady is like, shake my hand, shake my hand, shake my hand. And then and Katie's like, no, I'm not going to shake your hand. And then the guy is like, well, you know. I'm a sports podcaster. No, that and then the Katie just turned around and walked away. I'm like, how did you think it was a good idea to lead with, I'm a sports podcaster? Yeah, I don't know. I, with I, Kevin fucking Durant. I don't know if Katie really changed their outlook on these things, but I, I applaud Kevin for trying. No, I agree with you. It was a very good take and a very good just showing from Katie in general. I think Katie gets a super bad rap for being like, I don't know, immature or just like inserting himself into like Twitter stuff all the time. But I think I think the way Katie dealt with that is generally how he deals with it of like he'll call you out on your shit and then he doesn't he'll just turn around and walk away because he doesn't really care. All right, Max, who are the best take of the week? Honestly, the Kawhi take made me laugh really hard because he's just like, I just, I didn't see the clip, but I could just hear it in his yeah, voice. I didn't tell my meniscus. Yeah, he's just, I just love Kawhi, man. Like he just is quietly one of the best and biggest stars in the NBA and like, it, like, no, you he could easily walk through like most spheres of the universe and like nobody would know, you did know, you, like I mean, like basketball fans know who he is, but like he's just so incognito and did, chill. And he's just like, yeah, I didn't get did injured. Did you just make like a great pun <laughs> when you said quietly? <laughs> I did not. I did not <laughs> intend that. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. Take yes, it. I did. Take it. You totally meant to do that, Max. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to give it to Kawhi. Um, it is. It is the end of the month. I just realized that. Um, oh, true. We, I, I, I don't think we are quite prepared to um, award the worst take of the month. We're but like, maybe we'll we'll do that on Thursday. Yeah, we're like on three months in a row of crowning worst take a week late, and I think that trend's <laughs> just going to continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, these especially with I, I hate I hate how short February is. Even we have leap day and we, we, we didn't have enough days to to prepare ourselves. Yeah. All right, boys, I want you guys to pray for me. I was telling Max before you hopped on, Patrick, my brother and I, Jesse, we made a bet about a month and a half ago that we each have to get a six pack by March 27th. I'm one month out. If I can get it and he doesn't get it, I win a thousand. So pray for me, boys. Everyone in the comments, pray for us. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your pod. We love you guys. We will catch you on Thursday. Peace.